Praise the Lord. Turn your Bible to Acts chapter 11, please. Isn't that great? We're justified in Jesus today. Thank you, Brother Lloyd Williford. Just a brief message this morning on the theme, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. This is Acts chapter 11, verse 26. A little while ago, Barry Fields gave us the background for this message as he read those verses leading up to this particular verse. Things have been happening down at Antioch. The gospel had broken through to the Gentiles. This sort of pricked the ears of the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And so they sent Barnabas down to see what was going on. And when Barnabas saw the grace of God, he rejoiced. And he told the people, with purpose of heart, cleave to the Lord, that is, keep on going on. And they listened, for Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added to the Lord. And then Barnabas did an unusual thing. He had earlier befriended Saul, the Jew who had tried to kill all the Christians, but was converted on the road to Damascus and left Damascus went out to the Arabian desert, got revelation from God, and began to preach like nobody had ever preached before. And he went, Saul went back to Tarsus and witnessed there maybe nine years. And now Barnabas has not forgotten Saul. And he goes over to Tarsus, brings Saul back, and for a year they serve in Antioch, and there's great revival. And the Bible says, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, there are only three places in the Bible where the word Christian is presented. We're going to look at each of those three this morning and why they were called, why that verse used the word Christian. In this passage, the people at Antioch began to live like Jesus. The word Christian was a derogatory remark, like calling somebody Mr. Goody Two-Shoes or a holier-than-thou. They said, oh, he's a Christian. He acts like Jesus. And that was a derogatory remark. But those disciples honored that, and they began to live like Jesus. Now, you know what, folks? When we begin to live like Jesus, much people will be added to the Lord. When you and I reflect the love of heaven, and we live like Jesus wanted us to live, then we're going to be Christians indeed. You know, a lot of us don't really live like the Lord wants us to live. We sort of serve half-heartedly. I read this the other day. The sing of a hymn should be a great experience for us. Someone has written this comparison of hymns we sing. We sing onward Christian soldiers and wait to be drafted into his service. We sing sweet hour of prayer and are content with a quarter of a minute a day. We sing there shall be showers of blessing but do not come when it rains. 
We sing, blessed be the tie that binds and let the least offense sever it. We sing, serve the Lord with gladness and gripe about it because we have so much to do. We sing, I love to tell the story but never seem to mention it. We sing, cast thy burden on the Lord and then worry ourselves sick. We sing the whole wide world for Jesus and never invite our next door neighbor to church. We sing, O day of rest and gladness and wear ourselves out traveling, cutting the grass, going to the mall on Sunday. We sing, throw out the lifeline and content ourselves with throwing out a fishing line. No wonder, no wonder the world wonders about Christians. These disciples at Antioch lived like Jesus. Do the disciples in Bowling Green live like Jesus? The church is gathered today. In a few moments, we'll be dispersed across the city. What will people see in us? Will they see those that they can really call Christians, even if it is derogatory? And they say, oh, those are those Glendale people. They live differently. Or, that's a bunch of hooey over there. They go and sing, and they stay in church a long time, then go out and live like everybody else. The disciples were first called Christians because they lived like Jesus. The second place this is mentioned in Acts chapter 26, verse 27 and 28. Listen to this. Paul was giving his testimony before Agrippa. And then he said, verse 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest. to be a Christian. Now by that time, the term Christian had taken on a deep meaning. It was still derogatory, but it meant somebody that followed Jesus. And with Paul's strong testimony before the king, the king sort of trembled in his boots. And he said, trembling I believe, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I wonder if we go out in the highways and byways, knock on doors, tell folks about Jesus. Last Sunday morning, two precious ladies walked down the aisle confessing Christ as their Savior. That week before, two of our ladies had been out knocking on doors, and they came to their house, and they told them about Jesus, and they gladly received the Lord. That's what it's all about. Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me. Is there anybody we're talking to, even now, who can say, almost thou persuadest me? There's a young lady at Riverside. She's been in every Sunday, every Bible school class. She's been in services every night and was there last night and has resisted Christ. And it's almost as if I see in her heart and in her mind and her thinking, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, and I would to God that not almost, but altogether, she would offer herself to the Lord Jesus. And folks, people all over the city, all over the county, all over the state, 
all over the nation, all across the world, are waiting and waiting. Down in Mexico, we had the privilege of declaring the gospel. I just sort of stood by. Our young preachers preached. You would have been so proud of them. Eric and Teddy and Brian and Stephen and our young ladies taught the wonderful word of God. And one night, there was a young man standing there and the Lord impressed me I ought, to, I ought to speak to him. I went over and just, we sat down on, there was a little stage there, we sat down on the stage. And I showed him from the Bible with a translator how to be saved and he smiled. And through the translator he said, almost. And I said, not almost, but all together. Wouldn't you pray with me right now and invite Jesus into your heart? And he did. And he came back to all the other services. I'll meet him one day in heaven. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now remember when we invite people to be Christians, we're not inviting them to have a heyday. We're not inviting them to go on a hayride. We're not inviting them to go to a circus. We're not inviting them to some kind of a excitement where with a piece of pie in the sky when they die by and by. We're inviting them to a rough life. It is not an easy road that leads to heaven. Jesus talked about two roads. He's the one's a broad way. Many there be that go that way, but inside there's a narrow road. And to get on that narrow road, you have to turn around and go the other way. And there are people jostling you and trying to get even with you and get, get you messed up and get you back on the broad way. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going on and on and on. And that's what we're persuading people to do. Get your eyes on Jesus. And folks here today in this auditorium and by radio, put your eyes on Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. The third place that word Christian is mentioned is over in 1 Peter. If you'll turn there in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil speak, spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's murders. Yet if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this behalf. If any man suffer as a Christian. And what he's saying is, if you become a Christian, don't think you're exempt from all the problems and trials that come along the way. Financial problems, yes. Home problems, yes. Children problems, yes. Health problems, yes. I talked to a preacher in our city several years ago. He was a pastor here. He believed that if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be sick. He said, you could be, everything could be healed by faith. We talked for a while. I said, do you believe that, that sickness is always a result of sin? Yes. you believe that sickness is always because we don't have enough faith? Yes. 
So I changed the subject a little bit. I said, tell me a little about, about your mother. Oh, she said, he said, she was a wonderful, wonderful Christian. Great Christian. I said, she have a lot of faith? Yes. I said, were well, you going to see her today? Oh, he said, no, she died. I said, how did she die? Well, she just died. I said, you mean she died because she didn't have enough faith? He think, mean old preacher. He stopped in his tracks. He got my meaning. I want to tell you, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have some trials along the way. Peter was warning them, don't be amazed at all the fiery trials that come. Christians are not exempt from suffering. They're not exempt from sorrow. They're not exempt from cancer. They're not exempt from financial problems. They're not exempt from death. But for the Christian, there's only one death. He that is born once dies twice, physically and spiritually. He that is born twice, physically and spiritually, only dies once. And some of us are not going to die that way because Jesus is going to come first. So I invite you to become a Christian. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. It was a derogatory remark. Are you willing to come out from among the world and be made fun of as a Christian? You say, no, I'm not willing. Then folks, you'll have to go on your way to hell. Are you among those today who would say, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian? I would say, not almost, but altogether, come. Are you among those who have had to suffer as a Christian? You've gone through valleys. You've gone through times of tears and physical agony and mental distress. Don't be surprised at that. If you suffer as a Christian, you enter into the sufferings of Jesus. May we pray. Our Father, we pray that Jesus will be honored in this next moment as we give an invitation and invite people to come to Christ, to take upon themselves his name, that wonderful name that one day will admit them into heaven. But here in the earth, some may make fun, some may make light, but it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And Father, teach us that as Christians we may go through some valleys, but Jesus said, I'll go with you. I'll never forsake you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. What are we singing? 154. Jesus is tenderly calling you home. Calling today. Calling today. Would you come? Some of you need to come and take a stand for Christ by moving your letter to this church. And take a stand here for God. Some of you need to come and say, I want to be restored to the Lord. I used to be a Christian. I used to be a member of the church somewhere, but I've left that out a long time, and I need to come back home and get going for God. Some of you are feeling the impression in your heart that you ought to be part of this church. You come, and there are some here today who have never been saved. If you died today, you have no hope of heaven. Won't you come to Jesus today? While we begin to sing, step out on the very first stanza, Jesus is tenderly calling. Will you come right now?